Well, good morning, church. Man, it cooled down, didn't it? It did, it did, it did. It, <laughs> it does feel good. I've got a little outline for you. Uh, if you'd like a copy of that, Dave will get it to you. Just raise your hand. So James, we're continuing in a series of James. I invite you to open your Bibles and turn with me to the instructive book here. Our prayer this morning, in my heart at least, is from uh, Psalm 119, 105. Um, Lord, may your word be a lamp to our feet and a light to our path, that we would, that we would know how to walk with you, that we would give it an understanding. You'd give us an understanding from this precious book that, uh, Lord, we would know how to walk. And when we stumble, that you'd pick us back up again. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen, amen. So let's start by reading. I want to read through. We're going to read through the whole chapter. Chapter 1. Be a good recap of what Mr. Rasher helped us with. And then uh, what we'll get into today. James, a bondservant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ to the twelve tribes who are dispersed abroad. Greetings. Consider it all joy, my brethren when you encounter various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance. And let endurance have its perfect result, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. But if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all men generously and without reproach, and it will be given to him. But let that man ask in faith, without any doubting, for the one who doubts is like the surf of the sea, driven and tossed by the wind. For let that... Man expected he receive anything from the Lord, being a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. But let the brother of humble circumstances glory in his high position. Let the rich man glory in his humiliation, because like the flowering grass, he will pass away. For the sun rises with a scorching wind and withers the grass, and the flower falls off, and the appearance of its dis- the beauty of its appearance is destroyed. So too the rich man in the midst of his pursuits will fade away. Blessed is the man who perseveres under trial. For once he's been approved, he'll receive the crown of life, which the Lord has promised to those who love him. Let no one say when he is tempted, I'm being tempted by God, for God cannot be tempted by evil, and he himself does not tempt anyone. But each one is tempted when he's carried away and enticed by his own lust. And when lust is conceived, it gives birth to sin, and when sin is accomplished, it brings forth death. Do not be deceived, my beloved brethren. Let every good, thing best, every good thing bestowed and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shifting shadow. In the exercise of his will, he brought us forth by the word of truth, so that we might be, as it were, the first fruits among his creatures. This you know, my beloved brethren. But let everyone be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. For the anger of man does not achieve the righteousness of God. Therefore, putting aside all filthiness and all that remains of wickedness, in humility receive the word implanted, which is able to save your souls. But prove yourselves to be doers of the word, and not merely hearers who delude themselves. For if anyone's a hearer of the word and not a doer, he's like a man who looks at his natural face in a mirror. But once he's looked at himself and gone away, he's immediately forgotten what kind of person he was. But the one who looks intently at the perfect law, the law of liberty, and abides by it, not having become a forgetful hearer, but an effectual doer, 
This man shall be blessed in what he does. If anyone thinks himself to be religious and yet does not bridle his tongue but deceives his own heart, this man's religion is worthless. This is pure and undefiled religion in the sight of God and Father to visit orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself unstained by the world. Amen. Thanks to God for his word. So as you kind of stand back and look at this, what, what really struck me is, as I was getting into this, first off, that, that James knows who he is. He's a bondservant of God. He identifies himself not as the brother of Christ, which he was, but he identifies himself as a bondservant. He's leading the church in Jerusalem. And it's clear, too, that he knows who his brother was. That he's the Lord Jesus Christ right out of the gate. So we don't get familiar stories about growing up with an older brother, Jesus. We get what we need to know about ourselves and about God, right? And two, as you, as you stand back and kind of look at the 10,000-foot view of this passage, you see it, it becomes very clear very quickly, and I think this is really the strength of it, of, of the nature of man versus the nature of God. That, that we're so finite, we're so limited, we're so passing, we're so human, prone to wickedness, prone to lust, all these things. And we compare ourselves with a holy God and we say, oh my goodness, he's holy, he's generous, he's pure. He's the giver of wisdom, he's the giver of grace. He's the giver of forgiveness. All these things that God is that, that we aren't. Right? And it seems a challenge of life, isn't it, that, that we take on more and more of God's character and shed more and more of our natural human old man nature, right? That that's got to be put to death. I've got I've to say no to that stuff. I've got to lay it aside, right? And take on my character that I've been given in Christ. That's the point of the book of James, that our faith be real, that it be, that it be in action, that it be moving forward. Verse 12, I want to draw your attention to that too. Blessed is a man who perseveres under trial. For once he's been approved, he'll receive the crown of life. What a promise, huh? What a promise given to us by God if we persevere in this faith of ours. Persevere, saint. Stay at it. Take courage. A crown of life awaits you. It's a long road. It's a long life, isn't it? But to stay at it. Young people, set your course. Don't be diverted you know, the, the, the difference between France and Spain is only a couple of degrees, right? But, but, but set your course and don't let anything throw you off track. All the distractions of youth, right? All the things you, alcohol and drugs, pornography, all the, all, the, all the stuff that wants to steal your life and take you away from the course that God has planned for you. Don't let, don't let Satan do that. Persevere. There's a, it's worth it. There's a crown of life at the end, right? Verse 12. Verse 17, another one. Every good thing bestowed, every perfect gift comes from above. Coming down from the Father of lights. It's the only place in Scripture this phrase is used, the Father of lights. What in the world is that? Father of lights, you know? Well, in this day and time, people worshiped the sun and moon and stars. It was common in idol worship to worship the heavens. And James is saying, no, no, no. Don't worship the heavens. Worship the God who made the heavens. That he's the father of lights. And unlike all those 
heavenly bodies. Like we were, we were looking at the moon last night, Lisa and I driving home. And, and it's almost full, but not quite full, right? There's a little shadow there, right? And so unlike those heavenly bodies, which can change and shadow, and, and that God's constant. He's completely trustworthy. There's no shadow in him. There's no shadow of turning. There's no shadow of darkness in God. Completely holy, completely trustworthy, completely good, very unlike our human nature, right? This is the God that we serve and worship this morning. Verse 17. So when you get there to verse 18, it's, well, that it's kind of a pivotal verse that that you move from... uh, that we're starting to move from principle to practice, right? And you think, too, about... um, Let me go back one. There we go. Romans. The Father of lights. But that phrase, Father, is really the strength of this whole passage, isn't it? That, That He is our Heavenly Father. And this verse, Romans 8, 14, describes it well. For all who are being led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons and daughters of God. For you've not received a spirit of slavery leading to fear again, but you've received a spirit of adoption as sons and daughters by which we cry out, Abba, Father. The things James is going to instruct us in in a minute to be slow to speak and slow to anger and rid yourself of filthiness. My goodness, how, how do we do that stuff? When I, when I look at the commands of Scripture and I look at my human ability to change myself, no, God, I need help. See, it's our dependency on God, and I want to go back to that word Father and point you back to, if you try to do this stuff on your own, it doesn't yield much fruit. But, but when we cooperate with the Spirit of God, when we, when we listen to the Holy Spirit, when we uh, get in fellowship with other believers, that in these things we find strength, we find purpose, we find the ability to change. This is not a, James is not a self-help book. It's pointing us back to our dependency on God. And then that, that bears fruit, right? The first fruits. We see in Galatians 5.22, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against these things there is no law. But those who belong to Christ Jesus, count me in, have crucified the flesh you got to kill that rascal. you got to put that to death, right? Kill that old man, the old man of the old nature with his passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us walk by the Spirit. So these are the kind, this is the kind of person we are to become. We're to take on our nature of Christ. That should be my character, my maturity, my composure, my integrity as a believer in Christ. You know, you think about furniture these days, and most of it is, is, is veneer, it's, uh, I'm looking for something, anything with a veneer on it, but it's, we understand like a pergo floor, you know, it's, it's a piece of plastic with a, with a photograph of wood put on top of it, right? It's, it's not the real thing. As Christians, we're not supposed to be that way, right? We're not supposed to be a veneer. We're supposed to be all the way through. Integrity that we hold together, right? So it's not just to dress up our lives so we, so we look good on the outside. No, it's supposed to be a run all the way through, Right? Men of integrity, people of integrity. 
So here we go. Some of the instructions that James leads us into. Verse 19. Let everyone be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. Quick to hear, quick to listen, quick to accept counsel. Why is this so hard for us men? Uh, it requires humility, doesn't it? It requires that we have to put aside our own opinions, our own thoughts, and, and, and listen for a minute and say, oh, he might have a better idea than mine, right? In our board of elders, this is priceless. It's painful, but it's good, right? Because I can come up with some stupid ideas, and my fellow elders say, hey, Mike, why don't, you, why don't we do it this way? Why don't we do it that way? And, and it's, it's, there's safety there. There's security there. There's strength there. But you have to yield your opinion to the, to the opinion of the team in working forward. Teaching team, same way. Okay? So, so we need to listen to one another. Proverbs 19.20. Listen to counsel. Accept discipline. That you may be wise the rest of your days. Well, who do we listen to? Well, we listen to each other. But we also listen to the Lord, right? The Holy Spirit. We get alone in prayer. We listen to what God has to say about our life. We listen to the word of God. We try to apply this word to our lives, right? And bring our lives in alignment with what God says here. Luke 30, uh, 10, 39. Precious verse. She had a sister named Mary who was seated at the Lord's feet listening to his word. Great example, isn't it? Another good verse for you, Acts sixteen fourteen. There was a woman named Lydia in the city of Thyatira, a seller of purple fabrics, a worshiper of God, and she was listening, and the Lord opened her heart to respond. Precious response, right? Oh, the Lord opened her heart because she was listening. Good promise. We should listen to our spouses, our family, the ones who know us best and love us most. Then slow to speak. You know, men, slow to speak doesn't mean you don't speak. That's commonly what we do. We just shut up. I'll go watch the football game in the other room instead of being involved in this conversation, right? I'll, I'll just avoid it. I'll just, I'll run, no. No, you still need to speak, Dad. But you need to be thoughtful and careful about how you speak because your words hold tremendous weight. Far more than we, I, I remember the first time that my, the first time I remember that my dad told me, you did a good job, son. Words that I, I was 21 years old. But it was the first time I'd heard, you did a good job. I, I built a fire in the stove. I mean, small little thing. But man, I about fell over. Dad said, thank you. Dad said, I did a good job. Man, words of, and it carries tremendous weight, Dad. When you affirm that boy of yours, that daughter of yours, say, honey, you're precious. You're, you're precious and you're so important to me. Tremendous value in that, right? Proverbs 12, 18. There's one who speaks rashly like the thrusts of a sword. Whew, wow. Dangerous. Unyieldly. Right? We don't want that. We don't want to speak rashly. But the tongue of the wise brings healing. Healing. Restoration. Life. Spending time with one of my grandsons, little Jacob. He's 11. And... Uh, we had some time in the car together, and I found out, of course, of the dialogue, he wants to be a pilot. Wow. <laughs> I tell his parents, I see scared to death of heights. Well, he's only 11. He's got time to figure it out. But see, now as a grandpa, I've got something to work with. I get that boy in an airplane, right? 
We'll get him some flight time, see if he really wants to be a pilot. But that shows, hey, Papa listened to me. Papa valued me. He, he, he asked questions, draw people out. A man, uh, the plan of a man and the heart of a man is like deep water, Proverbs 20. But a man of understanding draws it out. You gotta, you gotta pull that rope, bring that water up. Ask good questions, draw kids out, draw your spouse out, draw people out. Get a better understanding, right? Quick to listen, slow to speak. And then we got slow to anger. Oh my goodness. Ooh, this one's tough, isn't it? Yeah. Is this tough for any of you? Anger? A little bit? What? Now, there are two flavors of anger here, right? There's, there's the instantaneous anger. We'll get to the other one in a minute. Do, do you see the times where that happens? For me, it's driving on 95. Right? I'm driving back. The 11-year-old is over here on the, on the side, passing his truck. I mean, we're all doing 75, 80 miles an hour. We're all breaking the speed limit. You know, we're well above whatever it was. Well, this guy comes up behind me, flashing his light. He's, he's 12 inches off my bumper. I'm like, dude, do you, do you know what, how much reaction time you would have if, if this tire blew out on this truck that we're trying to pass? You know, or if... Something, I mean, you have no time at, at 12 inches, right? And he was from New York, right? I, sh- I should know, just get out of the way, right? Right? But what's the temptation? I, I think I should tap my brakes. Maybe, maybe tap them real hard. You know, no, 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 don't go there, right? That's not going to yield anything productive, right? And I did get a one-finger salute as he finally passed me. Anyway. But, but you see, we were in contact with all kind of people. But I don't know what kind of day he had. I don't know what he's, what's going on in his head, the other driver, right? Uh, the Lord says, don't be quick to be angry. It doesn't yield anything righteous. It doesn't yield righteousness from God, does it? No. It's not, it's not our job to get angry and to get even. It's powerful emotion. You have to hold that in check. You have to pull that back. Say, no, I'm not going there, right? Ecclesiastes 7, 9. Do not be eager in your spirit to be angry, for anger resides in the bosom of a fool. And then there's a different flavor of anger that's a long-term, deep-seated anger, right? Scripture would describe that as bitterness. You don't want to harbor that. You want to let that go. There may be family members, there may be people that you're holding a grudge against. Eh. God says you got to let that go. See, anger imprisons us in our own jail, and we hold the key. Well, that key is forgiveness, right? That key is forgiveness to get us out of that jail cell. Putting aside all filthiness, wickedness, like a dirty garment, just to lay it aside. As far as it depends on me, I need to lay it aside. Wickedness, filthiness. When I was first saved, I had a big stack of Pink Floyd albums. I said, you know, these things really aren't helping me to grow my walk with God. Should I sell them? Nah, then somebody else. Nah, I threw them in a dump. Threw them away. Rid yourselves. Rid yourselves. If it's holding you back in your relationship with God, it's holding too much, too much of your attention, too much of your spiritual capacity to learn, throw it away. Rid yourselves of it, Right? Choices in entertainment, YouTube, pornography, alcohol, whatever hinders the word of God taking root, that's the picture here, is that word of God needs to take root in your life. 
You know, I've never regretted throwing away those albums. You will never regret decisions that lead you in righteousness. Throw it away. Lay it aside. Ephesians 4.22 puts it well. It says that in reference to your former way of life, you rid yourselves of the old self, which is being corrupted in accordance with the lusts of deceit, that you are to be renewed in the spirit of your minds, put on the new self, which in likeness of God has been created in righteousness and holiness of the truth. 1 Corinthians 6.18, flee sexual immorality. Every other sin that a person commits is outside the body, but sexual immorality, a person, he sins against his own body. In humility, receive the word implanted. And I'm just camping on these, these verses, uh, these verbs in these verses. You know, what, what is it that I'm to do? So be slow to anger. Slow to speak, quick to listen. Uh, receive the word implanted in humility. Remember, remember, remember the uh, Mark four, the, the four seeds, the four types of soil. You know, one is hard, so the seed can't take root. Don't be hard-hearted. Let the seed take root. First Peter one twenty-three tells us, "For you've been born again of seed, not which is perishable, but imperishable. That is through the living and enduring word of God." Allow that seed to grow and bear fruit in your lives. Prove yourselves to be doers of the word. Doers of the word. Now, his, uh, James's analogy is a mirror, right? So what's, what's the point there of a mirror? Well, it's, it's self-examination. Oh, man, you're a good-looking guy. Huh? Good-looking. You look good today, right? It's self-examination because... The best growth is, is, is growth that comes from within, right? I can do better if I examine myself, if I look at my own life and say, Lord, help me, that I, that I want my life to grow. Receive the word implanted. What about this uh, law of liberty here? The perfect law, the law of liberty. What a contrast in our thinking of our culture, right? If the, the culture would think that, well, Christianity is a bunch of rules that you have to keep, that... that that weigh you down or all the don'ts. No, no, no. Christianity is the law of liberty that frees me from myself. It frees me from my own sin. I have the capacity now to do something different with my life besides serve my own sin. Right? Now I'm, I'm, I'm regenerated. I'm renewed. This law of liberty. That that's the point. Now what was probably thinking in James's mind as a good Jewish man, he would have known Psalm 1. How blessed is a man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked or stand in the path of sinners or sit in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. In his law, he meditates day and night. He'll be like a tree firmly planted by streams of water which yields its fruit in its season and whatever he does, he prospers. The promises to the, to the man or woman who follows God is looking to the word of God. This word of, of looking intently is the same word you see in John 20 verse 5, when the, when the disciples come to the empty tomb, they're looking intently, they're, they're really searching, they're really looking after that to see where Jesus had gone, right? Bridle your own tongue. Wow. Bridle your own tongue. The, the obvious analogy there of a horse, right? Of, of all that strength of this six, seven, eight hundred pound animal, right? That you could plow a field with, you could pull the plow, you could ride somewhere, you could go somewhere on this horse. But it, uh, 
you have to have that bridle in the mouth, right? You have to have that bit in the mouth to control it, to steer this way or the other way. But if you have that, you can harness the power of that, of that large animal. Use for good. A controlled tongue. Are my words kind? Do my words build up? Do they encourage? Do they give faith? Do they give hope, promise, and life? And the real trick there, I think, is that you change your heart. Go to Luke 6.45. It says, for the mouth speaks out of that which fills the heart. If I change my heart, I'll change my words. Right? Psalm 19.14. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight. My Lord, my rock and my redeemer. And then to develop a caring heart for the poor. To visit orphans and widows in their distress. Well, this would have been the, the underserved of the day. The underprivileged people of the day would have been widows and orphans. Those without resource, left alone, abandoned. Kids on the street, right? God says to develop a tender heart toward those who are hurting. Choose to associate with the lowly. To the servants, the workmen. Extend yourself. Show kindness. Show compassion. Think about Luke 10, the good Samaritan there. And Jesus asked, which of these three proved to be a neighbor to the man who fell among the robbers? And he said, the one who showed compassion to him. Jesus said, go and do the same. Right? So a Christian has a tender heart. A follower of Jesus Christ has a tender heart towards the lost, towards the the weak and the needy. And then keeping oneself unstained by the world. This finishes the, the chapter out there in verse 27. To have an uncompromising testimony, a good moral character, unstained. First Peter 2, verse 11 says, Beloved, I urge you as foreigners and strangers to abstain from fleshly lusts which wage war against the soul. Right? I, I, I can't have those things in my life. I've got to set those aside. They'll wage war against my very soul. An encouraging verse for me, Revelations 3, verse 4. But you have a few people in Sardis who have not soiled their garments. They will walk with me in white, for they are worthy. You think about the judgment of the day. If, 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 uh, I work a lot with dirt. You know, always digging a trench or, or doing whatever. And um, I would look down and see a white stone. And just reminded... In, in the court of law on that day, I'm told that if you were guilty, they would give you a black stone. If you were innocent, they would give you a white stone. This image of walking with me in white. You know, you think about a white garment. The, the bride comes down the aisle and she's, she doesn't have ketchup on her, you know. No, it's not soiled, right? She doesn't have yesterday's breakfast on her dress. No, no, no. She's pure. She's holy. She's ready to be wed to her husband. It's, a, it's an honorable thing. She's not soiled her garments, right? Lord, help me get through life and not soil my garment. I don't want to be looking back in regret of if I let pornography or let lust take root in my life and cause me to do actions that would harm the people I very love, right? I don't want to soil my garment. I don't want to look back. I asked my dad. He's dying at this point. He's term- got terminal cancer. I said, Dad, what are you most proud of? I mean, he'd, he'd, he'd built companies, he'd land, houses, children, everything. What, what are you most proud of, Dad? He said, I didn't let alcohol ruin my life the way it did my father. I didn't let alcohol destroy my life. Wow. He had overcome his family of origin because my grandpa was a drunk. There's no, there's no nicer way to put it. 
alcohol controlled his life, right? And my dad had broken that cycle of sin. Don't let sin have you be at the end of your days looking back in regret. No, don't soil your garments. Walk with God in white. That's what God shows us. In conclusion, Jesus gives us a warning. Luke 6. Everyone who comes to me and hears my words and acts on them, I'll show you what he's like. He's like a man building a house. He dug deep. He laid a foundation on the rock. And when there was a flood, hmm, been there, the river burst against that house. Couldn't shake it because it had been well built. That's what we want to do, saints. Let's build our lives on the rock. Amen. Lord, help us with these things. Help us to follow you closely. Help us to be quick to listen. Listen to you, Lord. Thank you for the privilege and the opportunity of walking with you. We give you thanks today in Jesus' name. Amen.